Hey y'all, welcome to the very first episode of Beyond the Womb, a reproductive justice podcast. My name is Ruth Kasai, I'm a black woman, I use she, her pronouns, and I am beyond excited and honored to be sharing space with y'all in this audio format. The idea to start this podcast came about like a year ago, um, really towards the beginning of the pandemic. So I'm extremely grateful to everyone who has supported me thus far in this process of creating a podcast. Um, I'm really excited to continue this storytelling journey beyond this first episode, and I hope y'all are able and want to stick around to continue listening to this podcast. Beyond the Womb, a reproductive justice podcast, is a storytelling-based podcast through the reproductive justice lens. As defined by the sister song Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective, reproductive justice is, quote, the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, have children, not have children, and parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities, end quote. The term reproductive justice was first coined in June of 1994 by the women of African descent for reproductive justice when they convened to recognize and name that, quote, the women's rights movements led by and representing middle-class and wealthy white women could not defend the needs of women of color and other marginalized women and trans people, end quote. The work of reproductive justice has lived way beyond 1994 and has been in existence for thousands of years. Reproductive justice, otherwise known as RJ, centers not only birth control and abortion access, both commonly acknowledged within white reproductive movements, but also police violence, housing inequities, environmental racism, and more to support the human rights of everyone. This podcast is named Beyond the Womb because we'll explore literally just that. Um, We'll go beyond the white and white middle-class womb and hear the stories of trans people of color, non-binary people of color, black women, indigenous women, women of color, um, basically just non-white people. (laughs) RJ is the key to our collective liberation and freedom, and by centering our stories, we are creating larger platforms for community, connection, community organizing, and healing. Through this podcast, we'll be listening to folks' stories revolving reproductive justice and or how they're currently doing reproductive justice work. We deserve to exist freely, enjoy, and love, and it's my hope that this podcast explores just that. Our very first guest on the very first episode is Shalisa Gladney. Shalisa is an educator, doula, an advocate passionate about community activism, education, grassroots organizing, and social justice work, especially with slash in Black communities. Shalisa is currently the coordinator of the Afro House at the University of Iowa, president of UI's African American Council, and serves on the board for Sankofa Outreach Connection, a nonprofit community organization providing resources for women of color in the corridor. In addition to her work at the university, she provides postpartum care for survivors of various forms of trauma and offers education and resources to other birth workers about the importance of incorporating everyday consent into their practices. Thanks for sticking around this far, and I hope you enjoy my interview with Shalisa. Peace and love.
All right, well, hi everyone again. <laughs> um, I'm here with Shalisa Gladney, um, and I'm very excited to be um, interviewing her, one, most importantly, but two, talking about these really important things such as reproductive justice and her work within that more specifically. So, hi Shalisa. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> um, we... As we talked about, we want to have more of like a conversation. Um, but just like a starting question, like, who are you? <laughs> like, what do you do? Like, anything you want to share outside of the yeah. intro that was right before this? Um, so my name's Shalisa, and um, I. What do I do? Um, no, we'll start with who am I? <laughs> so who am I? Um, I am a first-generation um, college graduate. Yeah. I am the oldest um, of enough kids. <laughs> um, I like the oldest child is what I meant. Um, and then I also think um, I'm an educator. I'm an activist. I'm an advocate. I'm a doula. Um, and I'm dope. And then what do I do? Um, I think I do those things that I just said, like what I am. Right. Um, so I like to think that I educate folks on mm-hmm. a variety of topics, mm-hmm. um, including but not limited to, um, <sighs> consent um, and thinking about everyday consent in um, all spaces. Um, also thinking about practicing consent in um, queer and kink spaces. Also um, dismantling rape culture or um, healthy relationships and all the intersections of that. Um, I'm also an advocate um, and so I've been an advocate for mm, several years now. Eight, nine, I don't know. Um, but I've been an advocate for a while, so an advocate of domestic violence and or sexual violence. Um, and then an activist, exactly what it means. Um, I clap back and I talk back um, <laughs> for my people all the time. Um, and sometimes that's in very public ways, and other times that's in less public ways. Um, and then I also am... Uh, doula and so I provide doula services for um, for folks who have been through like various forms of trauma specifically domestic violence or sexual violence um, and a lot of um, the support I provide for folks are when they are um, experiencing a loss um, or um, preparing for a termination that is boom 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 <laughs> right off the top so as you already heard, Shalisa does a lot. Uh, one more thing to add is oh, yes. uh, my day job that oh. I am, um, <laughs> you know, consistently paid for um, is I am the coordinator for the Afro-American Cultural Center at the University of Iowa. Um, and yeah, that's that's a whole nother thing and thinking about how all of these things intersect. <laughs> right. So. Right, and I think that and as we talk about reproductive justice and the conversation we had before, like all of these things are just so important, right? When we think about reproductive justice, it's just the ability to exist in the ways that we want to. And so mm-hmm. when you talk about what you do as your work and who you are, um, 
it gives me it gives me that right like helping yourself of course and then also other folks yeah. like us sitting at this table just exist right whether that be at the university space but also um in all the stages of life in which you work with mm-hmm. yeah it's i like what i do i think <laughs> that all all of the while i do lots of different things and some of them are very random and other things are not um they're all in my world they all connect right like i me being a doula directly impacts the education that i provide for folks right or the mentoring and conversations that i have with younger folks um there's a quote that guides uh quite a bit of my world right now um it's by june jordan and it's we are the ones we've been waiting for um Mm -hmm. and i can't tell you how often i come back to that right Mm -hmm. Um, when i'm feeling discouraged or overwhelmed Mm -hmm. um i'm just like you know what but um and then also thinking about that for me right like so like i'm thinking about like that's the quote that i'm using to guide like what i do but also knowing that like someone else thinks that for me Um, and that's like that's pretty important Um, and so most of the I think that a lot of the work I do impacts like one thing um, impacts another (laughs) right so um, yeah and I like um, when thinking about these topics right when I was like pre-going to college no fucking idea like what a doula mm-hmm. was like I had no idea like any of the things in which you do <laughs> or the ways in which you support black folks mm-hmm. right um and us in the diaspora like what those things are and now as I am like graduating and at this age like it is so important to like share these stories and make these connections to be like oh my god people that like, these problems, one, exist, mm-hmm. right? Because that's, like, the first thing to be like, oh, this is a deficit, right? Yes. Like, this is a way in which you're oppressed, oppressed, but also, like, people like Shalisa, right? And other people in these fields, like, exist to help and support. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just so, like, that's the lineage mm-hmm. of it, right? Like, I could see you, and then I could show somebody else, and then that happened decades ago to get us to where we are now. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, yeah, there are always, I guess when I, I'm going to pause and say when I think of like um, black women and black femme folk, mm-hmm. um, we are always um, showing up and showing out, not just like for each other, but for other folks, right? Right. Um, and so I guess one of the things I try to do is center a lot of my work around black bodies mm-hmm. um, and some folks may think that's a little exclusionary. It is, on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so just going to go ahead and name that. Um, but I think because because I can, right? I get to make that decision. Um, but also I think that by me taking care of um, and providing services to and for black communities, um, that that will, if we take care, I my theory is that if we take care um, of our black bodies in these spaces, um, then it just, I think, I think it improves the world. So like if mm-hmm. we, if like the black women within a community are taken care of, um, then those black women go out and take care of. Right. And then that, like, it, like the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
I'm going to continue taking care of the black community. <laughs> right. Um, we're red maps. Right. And that's been happening for like hundreds. Forever. Right. Thousands I did not invent that. Right. And then it's, it's right. And there's like a, you know, I think the, the really interesting thing is, so I am, um, I'm really close to my mom mm-hmm. and my, I saw my mom doing this, right? Mm-hmm. My mom never had the words for this. Um, mm-hmm. My mom is a great stylist. Mm-hmm. Um, went uh had me as a teen Mm -hmm. um got done with um high school and um did some um like medical kind of work for a bit and then went to hair school and um, has been a stylist most of her life and um as a stylist (laughs) your stylist is like what everything but your doctor Mm -hmm. um Everything but your medical doctor. And I just saw, I think growing up, I saw like the impact she had um, on black bodies in ways that I, she didn't at the time, you know, maybe have the language for it. But like as I got, you know, uh, once I went to college and once I started, you know, trying to decide what I wanted for my life, really thinking about her um, and the ways in which she impacted and like how that I just see that happening in my world mm-hmm. and it's like oh I you know when I do something you know the older you get the more you realize like you're, you're similar to someone one or both of your parents um, and I just see like different mannerisms like me in me like caring for someone or in me setting a boundary I'm like oh my mom was like really good at setting that boundary and here I am practicing that like nah I'm good with that um and so I think um just to your point around like our there are so many people before us who like laid this foundation and so I'm not like I don't feel like I'm really creating anything I'm using the energy and the love that other people poured into me to pour that into someone else um or to other people communities and that's so beautiful and like again like just since the beginning of our existence like that is how we've maintained mm-hmm. under these oppressive circles and to mm-hmm. your point about um like what gets us here right and all that love and care mm-hmm. um how did you get here <laughs> like how did you get into like your doula work yeah um specifically i think it's so not interesting but like we often don't talk about the postpartum pieces. Yeah. Right? And so how did you, like, find that and get into that? <laughs> you know, I, I've thought about this quite a bit, uh, probably the last few years. Um, but definitely um, during the pandemic when I've had, you know, a little more time alone to think. <laughs> um, and to just kind of be with my thoughts and think about where I'm at and where I've been and where I'm going. Um, and one of the things I think about, um, especially in thinking about reproductive um justice and healthcare is like the lack of information I had like I mean all the way into my adult years graduating from college and still like well I know that like knowing different um, kinds of birth control methods or like knowing names for them but not knowing exactly what what they do or the Mm -hmm. side effects or um, how long they last Um, and so I think that when I think about like how I got into doula work, um, especially um, wanting to do postpartum, um, well, this is not how, uh, I'm gonna give a sh- really quick backstory. Mm-hmm. As in high school, I had, um, I supported um, a few different folks at my, at my high school or in my community who got, um, who terminated a pregnancy. And I think I remember one of the things I've been 
thinking about at least recently is the support that they needed after that um, and how it see like there was no like framework for how for that like how to support someone after they've had a termination mm-hmm. though at our school there was definitely you know we learned about like once someone has a baby what you do you right. know um, like once someone like um, births a baby and I just I don't know I've been thinking about that quite a bit and what it was like to support them not having any kind of language but just knowing that like they needed someone and then um, I worked as after I graduated from college I worked as an advocate mm-hmm. um, and again found myself supporting folks who were needing to get terminations um, or needing to terminate their pregnancies um, for a variety of reasons um, and all of them related to trauma they experienced um, and there being so few resources for them after they would terminate um, or after the termination and I think that that is where I found myself often is um, listening to them um, providing them with various um, I think various modes of support whether it was physical to like help ease their like any discomfort they were feeling or whether it was um, like having some like offering them like emotional support to like letting them process Um, and I think that yeah I became um, and then I traveled did some traveling and went different places in the world and um, ended up falling into similar roles while I was there and I it just became more and more interesting um, to me um, just thinking about like the ways to support um, like bodies that were pregnant um, and that was whether they um, went full term and birthed the baby or whether um, the pregnancy ended um, earlier either with a termination or with a stillbirth or um, or miscarriage and so it's just like <laughs> I think I I am not exactly sure how I got there or I don't know I I'm probably fairly easy to talk to <laughs> um, and I know that I'm like a caring person and I think that those things just kept you know I I supported one individual and then another individual would come in and then we'd have a conversation and um, yeah so I actually got my doula certification just a few years ago, though I've been doing doula work for, I, I mean, doula-related work probably for five or six years, six mm-hmm. years probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's not counting, you know, supporting friends in high right. school and, you know, early okay. 20s. Um, so, yeah. And I... All of it is just so. I keep throwing affirmations at you because it's just all so wonderful. But like it is like <laughs> how like just like mundane and everyday like these things pop up in our lives mm-hmm. where it's just like one of my classmates right is going yeah. through this thing and I'm able to support them in this way. And like suddenly you're noticing like a pattern of gaps yeah. right and services that are um, available to people at that age range, right? Mm-hmm. But also, like, more generally, like, put a lot of emphasis on, I think specifically, we talk about termination, right? Like, mm-hmm. we put a lot of emphasis on 
how to get the termination, which is important, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's a whole discourse to be had about lack of access to those services yeah. um, and, like, the inequities and the costs and the health. Like, there's a whole breadth of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, just very little focus on the after. Yeah. Um, as if, like, there's still not a, <laughs> like, a body that just went through that experience. Mm-hmm. Um afterwards i think there's because there's a lot of shame tied up in that right Right. and like even if it's not even if the individual um who um had to terminate the pregnancy even if they don't necessarily have like in like shame themselves Mm -hmm. like the shame that other folks want to put on them, right right? um or how hush it's supposed to be don't talk about your abortion right you know, even in the way, I think even folks who have miscarriages or stillbirths, they're not supposed to, you know, you have to get over that, you know, you need to suffer um, in silence. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, well, what, where else? I think I, for me, I try to think about like, where else do they tell us to suffer in silence or where else do you, is this like a thing? And when I think about like black communities, um, I really think about like the medical system and how that's our experience there too and so it's like there are like this is like a pattern then right like it's like oh if you you know shh don't talk about this thing Mm -hmm. but it's like actually that's kind of what we've been (laughs) what we've been experiencing anyways like um being like our um black women and you know we can go into a um, medical space and say that we're experiencing pain and it's going to be downplayed um, we can say that we are, you know, um, we are tired and, you know, it's like, well, then you need to sleep. It, it, it can't be like a, you know, right. um, and so, um, <laughs> um, and so I guess when I see these things show up, like mm-hmm. in, um, like within like the, a space where folks are getting terminations and it's also like, shh, but it's like, uh, I think. Uh, I've been listening to the abortion podcast and mm-hmm. or abortion diaries. Oh yeah, it's a podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. The abortion diaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that is that has been such a beautiful experience. Isn't One, it? Yeah. Not all of the um, po- not all of the episodes are about like someone had an abortion, mm-hmm. though many of them are. But mm-hmm. I love that. Um, the um podcaster <laughs> um is like really trying to like destigmatize this and like stop silencing right. these folks this experience and it's actually maybe more common than we say it is and maybe a little less common than some folks say it is right um, <laughs> and so um i want to bring up one other like story from high school mm-hmm. as in high school there was a teacher whose class i was in who's class I got kicked out of often because of my mouth <laughs> and I do not regret it I just in case you're listening he's not um, <laughs> but I um one of the things that came up for me in that space or like when I was there is this particular teacher um told like announced what well, was talking we started to talk about um we we're going to you know for a half of one class we're going to talk about um, reproductive um, health and one of the things one of the topics was around abortion 
and this human opened his mouth, um, not wide, but opened his mouth <laughs> to say that, um, that abortions were a problem um, and like the re- like in short the reason that they were a problem is because like black women like young black girls were like getting too many of them mm-hmm. and um, which blew my mind because I'm pretty sure in that same month I went with two of my non-black friends um, <laughs> right. who were terminating right. um, pregnancies and so I'm like wait 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 wait, wait. Right. Um, and of course I you know I pushed back against that mm-hmm. and I'm like why is that a thing that we have to say in class for one but also why are you policing what we do with our bodies can you get an abortion Mm -hmm. no (laughs) like you know i just it was so uncomfortable to hear that um but also to hear it as like a like a um like shame right um and so i in in listening to this podcast it was really nice to like hear it's nice to like hear like actually i'm trying to like remove the shame from this right um, and I'm going to rem- like the one of the ways it sounds like in which she is um, helping to like remove shame is like letting folks tell their stories. Right. Um, so yeah, and I mean I think of I guess when I think of abortion, I'm not thinking of like um, less of like thinking of it as like this like negative thing, and really right. thinking about it as like giving someone consent to do what they would like to do with their body. Right. Um, and if we go back to, you know, my education around everyday consent, um, if you are a medical provider and someone comes to you and they tell you that they are pregnant, you should give them what all of their options are. Because right. if you're practicing everyday consent, that it, what you do is instead of trying to make choices for someone or force them into making a particular choice, you give them all their options and then they can make that choice. Um, and, you know. It's our body, so we right. should be um, deciding what happens with them. Yeah, and I think what's so... Well, first, if you haven't listened to The Abortion Diaries, please do so. It was like one of the inspirations for this podcast and just sharing stories and discussions about topics like these. Um, it's a great one. Um, but also, I think what's so interesting... Not interesting, but like the frustration with the story you just shared about happening in high school, it's like... Well, you're trying to police me in my what I choose to do with termination. Well, also, you don't particularly want me alive either. Okay. Can a word. So <laughs> one of the things about folks who are like pro-life um, mm-hmm. is that um, like I need you to be pro-life for the life of humans, especially the ones who are already here on this planet. Mm-hmm. There's I don't understand how folks like claim that they are pro life, like for um, in urine, mm-hmm. um, but then they're like the body of that parent doesn't matter, or the mm-hmm. body of that adult, or that body of that human like doesn't matter, right? Like we are we're pro life and like for things that are none of our fucking business. Um, if we think about what's been happening forever I, y'all didn't see that but I just did a, a wild eye roll <laughs> um, but <laughs> like the ways in which people abuse black bodies mm-hmm. and like make excuses for it mm-hmm. I can't I it like it upsets me to the point where I don't have words I got something yeah. to say about everything but I get like I've run out of words to talk about like I want people, I want you to be pro-life for the lives on this earth, not for a fetus, 
not for um, just. <laughs> it, I just get really I get frustrated in thinking about that, um, like the ways in which people um, don't advocate for me um, right. in medical spaces. But should I? get pregnant and want to terminate that pregnancy, they were going to want to like police and make decisions right. um, for like my womb. No, right. sir. That's right. not going to happen. Right. <laughs> and that's like the broader, like within reproductive justice, right? When they convened in 1994, okay, the receipts, the like, um, like it's not just about this one thing, right? But it's mm-hmm. the policing and like my ability to exist in all the forms in which I choose to exist, right? So beyond abortion, beyond termination, beyond these things. Um, And to go back to a piece you said, a lot of what you said earlier about like the silencing, Mm -hmm. um, part of how reproductive justice works, right? Is to say that like without talking about these things, right? Without knowing the connections between my ability to exist and like state-sanctioned violence, right? Or environmental racism um, or housing inequities, right? Um, Without knowing those connections and like my ability to exist, I don't really know how I exist (laughs) fully, right? In relationship to whiteness or white supremacy. and so that oppression works by silencing, right? Yeah. And so I'm wondering, um, how have you seen the silencing of these conversations about reproductive health um, or reproductive justice more gen- generally in your work or mm-hmm. like in your communities in which we were just talking about? Yeah, I think one of the things is like not talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so one something I often um I I think about like me growing up right Mm -hmm. like there's never there was no there's no talk around you know there's like the sex talk Mm -hmm. Uh, one I did not have that it was Mm -hmm. don't have sex Mm -hmm. um very let me tell you great talk thank you right um (laughs) (laughs) love lover lover but like come on um but I think that when I'm thinking about like silencing and um, like the ways in which that happened, one of those is like by not having like open and honest conversations, mm-hmm. um, by not allowing um, youth and non-youth um, to have to ask questions um, or to make decisions about their bodies. Um, I have talked to many individuals um, who like expressed to me that um, at a young age they wanted to do X, Y, or Z. Um, with their body and that their parents actually decided that they're going to do something different Um, and um, yeah and that that always makes me pause and think (laughs) Um, but the ways I think within our communities that there's a lot of silencing that happens and then like on our communities there's a lot of silence that happens Um, and so the the I guess when I think about the differences in those and the ways that those show up within our communities, like not providing like space for folks to um, to talk or um, hushing things. Um, mm-hmm. If we talk about like some of the violence that happens within our communities mm-hmm. um, and the ways in which we're just like not going to talk about that, um, that quite a bit of harm done there. Um, and I could go on and on about what that looks like. 
Um, but the ways in which it's on our community is very similar, right? Like um, the hushing of us, the the like murdering of black bodies, mm-hmm. the um, elimination of us from different spaces that we should be in. Um, the um, I actually. <laughs> Um, one of the things that's been really interesting since I've been in my current role in, I've only been here, what, about six months, um, is the ways in which not just campus folks, but community folks, you know, of course now want to talk to me about all things black, right? Mm. Um, and especially with like, um, the recent murderings and trials, um, of of folks who murdered black bodies, Mm -hmm. um, and the ways in which, like, you know, there's just all this, like, attention currently um, around um, amplifying black voices, um, but amplifying them as a token. Mm. Um, and so oftentimes when someone is asking me to pick my brain mm. or to, um, to amplify my voice for me, especially if they're a non-black individual, um, is, like, but what what's next? Like, what, like... You know, like, if I do this, how will you continue this work once, you know, there's not this spotlight on black bodies? Though I think that there should always be a spotlight on black bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard for some people to ask, to answer that question, and it makes them really uncomfortable. Right. And, which is the point, right? You right. should sit with that discomfort. Um, and also figure that out. Like, what do you want? Right. Um, and why, yeah, uh... And so it's like, I think folks think that like by, like, well, I, you know, I'm going to write this story about you. I'm like, thank you. Um, <laughs> or, you know, I'd love to write this story about your community. Um, but, you, but then like not, like there's no like follow up, right? Like, um, and so it's almost more of like a tokenization. Mm. Um, did I answer your question? You did, yeah. <laughs> I think, and I think you bring up a really important point of like these systems of oppression and institutionalization work outside of it. Well, we can also carry them, right? Like, we can also be carriers within our own communities and spaces. Mm -hmm. And so how we may silence each other um, while also being silenced is really, it's messy. Identity is messy. Community and communities are messy. and to my next question, <laughs> not the greatest transition, but we're learning here in our first episode. Um, I think it's really important that we talk about joy because we don't often get opportunities to talk about joy. And I think especially when we work in fields such as reproductive justice, mm-hmm. anything around or outside of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we're working within our own communities, mm-hmm. sometimes the joy is a lot more muddied right without talking about that though we experience the burnout the pain um and all those different things so i'm wondering in working in these fields Mm -hmm. what brings you like the most joy or like fulfillment (laughs) i think one of the things that probably brings me the most joy is um allowing um, and encouraging someone to do what's best for themselves and their mm-hmm. body. Um, and when I think about the type of dual work that I do and that I want to continue to be a part of, that's it. Right. Um, one of the things that I have 
<clears throat> pretty recent or not recently but one of the things that I've like intentionally been pushing back against recently is um, so uh, within reproductive justice we know the word eugenics and I've been taking like the thinking about like what that word means and really thinking about how that actually shows up in other forms mm-hmm. um, or in other places like within um, the world and so one of the ways I think is that the, uh, I think that the, um, I'll, I'll mostly talk about the U.S. because this is where I'm at. Um, the U.S. has a very special way of treating black bodies, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in a medical space, mm-hmm. whether it's um, at a park, mm-hmm. whether it's driving, mm-hmm. um, whether it's leaving the gas station or grocery store. Sitting in your home whether you're laying in your bed sleeping right. and that as a um, as a black individual who could potentially birth a child mm-hmm. I think about the ways in which this world is convinced like has is encouraging me to not do that right mm-hmm. um, and by fear right like I'm like if you this world is so fucked up, I don't want to bring another child. I don't want to bring another life into it, right? Like, it's, I'm terrified to think about raising a human and explaining some of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, can we something here? <laughs> but, you know, um, and I think that when I think of that, I think of that as, like, a form of eugenics, right? Like, you have scared me into, like, paralysis mm-hmm. around, like, you know, like being a parent. Um, and so one of the things that brings me joy um, is to think about, one, pushing back on that some, but also not pushing back on it because I want to like, this is what you should do. Like, don't you know, right. fuck the patriarchy. Um, <laughs> but really, th- like what is best for like um, having conversations with an individual about what's best for them and their body and what they want for themselves, right? Yeah. Um, I think another thing is I am like all about celebrating black joy and Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I currently in um, my day job do quite a bit of work well 90% of my work is with black students Um, and really encouraging them to have some you know some challenging conversations like with each other right Mm -hmm. and so thinking about like the black diaspora and like who we are and not like what we are right like we lack we know that but like who are we Mm -hmm. and like celebrating our differences um whether it's culturally whether it's ethnically whether it's um like depending on like you know if you're first generation Mm -hmm. or you know if you're you know the third generation Mm -hmm. to go to college if you're um just like encouraging students to to be their blackest selves and to be able and to also, I guess, like, celebrate, like, all the blackness that can right. be around us. Um, and I think, last but not least, um, every year, I choose a word um, to guide my year. Um, and I sometimes write down goals, but a lot of what I do is I'm like, what word do I want to focus on this year? Um, and this year, I chose a phrase um, that a friend um, helped me to choose, and it's chase happiness. Mm. And I think, for me that like thinking about that word and it guiding my ear it's really even shifted how I'm showing up to conflict Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um 
And sometimes it's just like, nah. (laughs) But other times it's like, what up? Right. (laughs) And those are, and and the balance of that, right? Right. Um, And so, yeah, I think about um, centering myself in so much of what I'm doing Mm -hmm. um, and really thinking about how I, the ways in which I continue to show up for other people, making sure I'm doing that same thing for myself, which is much easier said than done. done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I also I like to read and I like to puzzle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean jigsaw puzzle. Let me be real clear. Um, right. And so yeah, those are some things that I do. Um, beautiful to bring myself joy. Thank you. That brought me joy today. Here. <laughs> um, um, so yeah. And the last, last question, okay. and I'd like to ask this for all future folks that come onto this podcast. Yes. Um, we often don't, we work towards these goals of collective liberation and freedom. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm not sure if we have, we don't really, we don't have enough conversations about well, what does that look like after? <laughs> and so our parting question um, will be, what will collective freedom and liberation look like to you? Hmm. I think, for me, rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I really think that um, collective freedom and liberation to me would look like being able to exist Mm-hmm. Um, without fear of harm in any way, mm-hmm. um, being able to decide what's best for my body mm-hmm. without anyone's politics or mm-hmm. feelings, mm-hmm. Um, deciding what's like uh, deciding what that is, um, unless they're my politics and feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think really thinking about like black folks just existing, and I'm not asking for much, right? Like, bare minimum. <laughs> I'm asking for the bare minimum. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> you know, folks are like, oh, my heart's been heavy this week. I'm like, my heart's been heavy this year, right. <laughs> this life. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think I would love to think about, um, you know, not worrying about my brothers, mm-hmm. not worrying about my sisters, mm-hmm. not worrying, you know, myself not worrying about it. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Being able to navigate this world without fear. Well, Shalisa, I'm really thankful that you joined us today. Well, it's the end of the semester, so it was a mess for everybody <laughs> that exists within a university system. Um, Lisa, I'm really glad you exist and you existed with us here today on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This was fun. <laughs> hey, y'all. If you made it to the end, thank you. <laughs> thank you for putting your attention towards this and your patience. I hope you either learned something, found connection to something, or at the very least felt pieces of joy. Check out the description of this episode for informational links about reproductive justice and more. Thanks so much for tuning in. And again, peace and love to you all.